Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 15. Like, you know, when you're younger and you have to, like, write a paper on your hero or, like, people are like, who do you admire? Like, my whole, like, young adult life, I could never, ever think of a person. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and a part of it was, like, independent. This is, like, it's me. I'm the best. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. As I got older and, like, got more in touch with, like, my own personality, like, I realized, like, the people that are the coolest are, like like evil villains I'm like oh I want to be like that and not maybe I don't want to be an evil villain but like you know I want to cherry pick the characteristics Welcome to the Locala Podcast. I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala Magazine. Before I introduce our guest today, I do want to thank our sponsor, which is Your Place Insurance Mortgage and Title, your everything agency. Be sure to visit their website at www.yourplaceocala.com. All right, guys, I am super excited to have this guest today because I have wanted to interview her since I was first introduced. And her name is Margaret Dixon, and she is the Director of Education and Community Outreach at the Riley here in Ocala. Um, she calls herself a diversified musician, <laughs> and she joins us today for the extended content portion of our magazine's December issue. So welcome, Margaret. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, to just dive right into your childhood, because yeah. why not? You know? <laughs> Let's, do it. Let's, Let's just do it. dive right in. So, okay, you in, in our pre-questionnaire, you mentioned that you had lived in Gainesville since 2009 mm -hmm. and then just moved over here in May. Mm -hmm. um, so where were you before 2009? Where did uh. you grow up and what were you doing? <laughs> Everywhere. Um, my, my dad was in the Army when I was younger, so I was actually born in Germany, overseas, lived there wow. for... I want to say three years, maybe um, like I hardly remember moving to the States. And then when we moved back stateside, um, my dad retired from the army and we lived a bunch of different places. Like I've lived in uh, Kentucky. I've lived in Cincinnati. I've lived in Michigan. I've lived in Chicago. So I kind of hopped around a little bit. And then um, I moved to Alabama in the ninth grade. And then mm -hmm. I went to high school there. I went to college there, Roll Tide. And, um, <laughs> and then I came to uh, Gainesville for grad school. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was going to say, okay, we're, we're finding our way to Florida somehow. Yeah. Here. <laughs> So you mentioned you did a lot of work actually here in Ocala while you were in Gainesville. What were you doing back and forth? So um, my work in Ocala started just with the symphony. I auditioned for the symphony when I was in grad school, won a position, and I played with Ocala Symphony for several oh, wow. years. And um, as the symphony grew, they there were more opportunities and more little things that they were doing. And I kind of like latched onto that. So yeah. I started doing some of the um, symphony for school stuff where uh, musicians go into elementary schools and like show them the instruments of the orchestra. Um, and then at some point I took that program over because the person who was running it, well, they needed help running it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I took that over and then kind of re-envisioned that and revamped that and turned into a really great program. Um, and then uh, in 2000... 19 I think okay. uh, maybe t the end of 2018 sometime in there yeah. um, I actually took over management of the orchestra okay. so the girl who was uh, managing the orchestra she uh, stepped down because she had family and other stuff to do um, and they needed a new person to take over so I took mm -hmm. over that um, managing the orchestra doing the librarian work um, and then like the more involved I got with you know all the things in the orchestra <laughs> the more stuff they gave me and then um 
uh, eventually it led to this position now with them. Yeah. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, we'll come back to what exactly everything that you do in the Riley here. Um, But I did want to talk a little bit more about your childhood because you say that you were defiant, resilient, creative, innovative, fearless, and definitely unbreakable. And you mentioned that you had kind of a chaotic childhood. And I'm guessing now that hearing a little bit of story has a lot to do with moving around and stuff. (laughs) But you said your stubbornness got you through that. So can you, what else, like in your childhood was chaotic that? So lots. (laughs) My my parents didn't have the healthiest relationship. They were divorced when I was nine or ten. And then I uh, lived in a single parent household with my mother um my mother got sick she had cancer Mm -hmm. she passed away when i was about 13 then i lived with my father who i hadn't you know interacted with for a long time didn't quite work out like he wasn't quite ready to take care of children um and then i when i moved to alabama it was actually to live with an aunt and then that's when everything was a little more stable so um that's why i was in the same place for so long went to school there um so just like a lot of chaos and a lot of um taking care of myself and a lot of like taking care of my little brother and taking care of my sick mother, stuff like that. So just a lot of responsibility, uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of um, creative thinking, figuring stuff out, making it work, you know, getting up and going to school regardless of whatever's happening here. (laughs) So stuff like that. And I think I learned like at an early age, like survival skills, essentially. Um, So that kind of stuff and um, being stubborn and not like letting stuff like that break me down, you know, even as a child. So, and I feel like that carries over now in a hopefully more healthy way. (laughs) You know, like I, I retain a lot of that stubbornness where like, I'm not going to quit. Yeah. You know, I'm going to push through, see it through, um, make stuff happen, you know, um, that kind of thing. Just resilience. Okay. Um, did you kind of use, I mean, you're, you're so passionate about music. Did you use that at, at that point in your life yet? Was music kind of introduced to you yet? Um, when I was younger, a little bit. So I started playing, I started dabbling in music when I was probably in like, I don't know, second or third grade. Um, my mother was, a, she's a theater person. Uh-huh. Um, so I grew up on musicals. Uh, my, her parents were band directors. Okay. Um, so like there was a lot of music in that side of my family. Yeah. Um, so I uh, played instruments here and there and I remember taking music classes when I was little like general music classes not in school but like I was in some sort of community program um too young in my memory to remember exactly what it was yeah um and then in fourth grade uh I lived in Michigan and they had orchestra and you were allowed to start orchestra in fourth grade or you can start band in fifth grade and I was like well I want to do it now (laughs) (laughs) so I started playing cello in fourth grade and did a lot of music stuff really liked it um and then when I moved to Alabama they don't really have orchestra they just have football so they have marching bands I was like cool (laughs) so I'll I'll switch (laughs) and that's when I started playing French horn which is what I play now oh wow Mm -hmm. (laughs) So music's kind of just been with me. Um, I don't think I really got passionate about it probably until like high school when it started to get pretty serious. Yeah. Um, And that and I was with a a support system. You know, I had family that was supporting me and pushing me and it wasn't so passive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes it a little bit easier and stuff. Um, So, okay, I do want to talk a little bit more about. what it was like making that transition from um, 
Alabama and all of that to being on your own here in grad school because you had a lot of independence and responsibility as a young child. Then you got the support system. Now you're coming away from that support system. Did you know anybody here when you came to Florida? Um, Not very well. I had like friends of friends that I had met. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So not not really at all. I came um, my professor in undergrad is like uh, or the professor at University of Florida is like they're like besties yeah <laughs> so there was like a political connection and part of the reason why I chose Florida that and um I got a really great assistantship and I was like oh I don't have to pay I'll go there um <laughs> and so uh I didn't really know anyone uh the first few months here were weird I remember days especially before school and classes started yeah. where like I wouldn't like speak and then I would like I don't know cough or sneeze at 3 p.m. and be like well it's the first sound I made all day (laughs) (laughs) um so um but it wasn't very I don't know it was fine because like I've done a lot of stuff on my own I'm I'm the kind of person like like when I moved here or to Gainesville I would get in my car and just drive around get lost discover the city you know I'm not afraid to wander around and try new things and be on my own Um, and when school started I did marching band stuff um, so if you do Margie Man, you make 400 friends before school starts. Like <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made friends pretty quickly uh, w- after um, coming here. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I was a choir and theater nerd. Yeah. And hung out with all the band kids. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> and orchestra kids. My yeah, school yeah. actually had both. Um, but uh, yeah. So, OK. So you pretty adventurous. And, and I'm taking it because you started getting involved with the orchestra and everything is why you decided to stay down in the Florida area. Yes. Yeah. Um, that and just uh, plans. Like I had plans to go get my doctorate and do all this stuff and they, they didn't quite pan out how I personally planned them. So <laughs> as life happens um, and I got really plugged in in Gainesville. Like I, I was really successful. Like I had a bunch of students at one point I had like almost 30 private students. I had a really great network. I had lots of gigs and then I was kind of faced with this choice like, okay, I can, like, move to New York and, like, drop everything and go work at Starbucks and, like, take lessons and be poor and maybe, like, push forward. Or I can stay where I'm, like, thriving and just be content here. Yeah. And then I chose to stay here and be content. And so, like, I mean, that meant I needed to, like, push harder and plug in and, you know, push my career forward where I am. So, yeah. Um, How is it? I mean, you were over here doing quite a bit anyway before you moved over, but... Um, was it another kind of slight adjustment because Gainesville is so hopping yeah. all of the time because you got college kids everywhere right. all of the time. So what was it like to come over to Ocala full time? It's definitely been an adjustment. Um, there are some things that are great and some things I kind of miss. Um, I, I do agree. Like Gainesville is a little more busy, mm-hmm. um, but it's also a, a much younger crowd. And like, I've hit the age where I'm like, these kids, <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> Um, so it's nice to be around like adults yeah (laughs) like I live in a house in a neighborhood and it's quiet and people cut their grass except for me and I'm the kid Um, (laughs) my neighbors are probably like are you thumping that bass music (laughs) no I do practice my horn inside though and I'm like (laughs) um so it's been an adjustment um but uh, I like there's a lot of things about Ocala that I really like. Um, like it is a more mature atmosphere. Um, I feel like the 
the art scene is easier or more prevalent in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like Gainesville's got a lot of like open mics and like shows downtown and but but it's kids, you know, they yeah. come and it's you know the McDonald's of it all. Like yeah. it's quick, fast, <laughs> um, cheap, uh, and here it's a little more mature. Like we have yeah. like art galleries, <laughs> yeah, we do, and stuff like that. So um, um, I really like that aspect. There's some things about Gainesville I miss, like Trader Joe's. Um, every time I go, I still go to Gainesville a couple times a week because I um, I kept some of my private students that I'm still working with. Okay. So I go up a couple times a week to teach. Um, and I always go to Trader Joe's yeah. <laughs> when I'm there. So little things that I miss. But, uh, I mean, it's right up the road. So, like, if I want to do something or visit a friend or something, it's yeah. really, it's not a, a bad commute. No, no. It's pretty easy to get up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, before we dive into what your job all entails, mm-hmm. one of the things that really fascinated me about you um, was that your heroes are fictional characters. They are all of them. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about that and what, what, yeah. So, uh, when, like, you know, when you're younger and you have to, like, write a paper on your hero or, like, people are like, who do you admire? Like, my whole, like, young adult life, I could never, ever think of a person. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and a part of it was, like, independence. This is like, it's me. I'm the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm my own Everyone hero. Out to me. As you should be. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, I don't know, as I got older and, like, got more in touch with, like, my own personality, like, I realized, like, the people that are the coolest are, like, like evil villains i'm like oh i want to be like that and not maybe i don't want to be an evil villain but like you know i want to cherry pick the characteristics yeah so one of like my biggest heroes is um you know the movie devil wears prada yes i love miranda Priestley, and like she is my hero and i'm like i just want to be like that where i walk into a room and everyone does their job (laughs) because of my presence And I'm like, I just want everyone, and not out of terror, I want people to, like, want to, like, work hard. And so, like, I want to take that, you know, the power and presence. And she's so good at her job and, like, so together. And, like, she's never, like, what's happening? Like, she's never freaking out or fumbling around. She's got, like, a plan and she knows what to do. And she's, like, delegating tasks. And she's like, hey, this needs to get done. And, like, where are the belts? And, like, all of this. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. Um, But uh, things like that. And I... I like little things about different people. So another one is um, King Julian from Madagascar, the little. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love him because like literally he's a terrible, terrible monarch. Absolutely (laughs) not a good leader. But like everyone follows him. Like they love him. And like he's so like carefree, like a plane is crashing. He's like, fine, put your arms up. And like nothing, (laughs) nothing rattles him. Like everything's on fire. And he's like completely like everything's fine. And I'm like, I just want to be that like stable. (laughs) while chaos is happening like it's fine (laughs) so in other words you kind of want to be the better qualities yes of the villains Uh that you're (laughs) Uh pretty much (laughs) yeah so i i love like i don't know i just get really attached to fictional characters i love them and i'm like oh i want to be like that except without those things (laughs) yeah yeah i don't i don't want to be the outcast (laughs) i don't want to be the one that everybody like is scared of exactly yeah but i (laughs) I want want that that respect Uh (laughs) and i think for me it's easier Cause like when you look up to real people, like real people have like real problems, like, you know, like this person's your hero. And then you find out like 10 years later, they're like, I don't know, they were secretly a drug dealer or something. (laughs) And you're like, Oh no. (laughs) Um, And there are some actual people that I, um, look up to, um, for, but kind of in the same way. Yeah. Like I really like, um, the rock because I like his, um, 
I follow his social media account and I'm like, he's so good at social media. And I'm like, I'm really bad at it. And like his, his career is so diversified. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, I love that. And like, he seems like such a great person. Like he's built such a great brand. And I'm like, yes, all of that. I love all of that. And so like, you know, I like to cherry pick little things about successful people that I like and I want to incorporate into what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, But never just one whole complete person. No. So, okay, so who do you think your your primary trait resembles out of some of your characters? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot. That's a hard question. <laughs> I want to say in my heart, Miranda Priestley, but, like, that's all in my head. Like, you know how you have the the vision of yourself, and you're like, yeah. oh, but I'm not like that at all. I'm really nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually be more of a King Julian, where I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> I don't know if there's one specific person that, because um, I think I've cherry picked, you know, what I yeah. like and what I aspire to be. Um, but I think I kind of try and incorporate a lot of them, incorporate a little bit of each of them yeah. and be my own self, and you know, your own self. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break and just um, go ahead and thank our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Your Place Mortgage and Title, your everything agency. Purchasing a home should be as easy as one, two, three. At Your Place Mortgage and Title, we offer professional realty services through Professional Realty of Ocala, mortgage and commercial loan services, and title services. We pride ourselves on customer service and education. Contact us today to learn how we can make your home buying and selling process a pleasant one. Visit www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more. Well, let's go ahead and head on back over to Margaret. I want to talk to you more about exactly what you do um, at the Riley. And because we're focusing on on literacy mm-hmm. and you're the, you know, commun- what, what director, did we of, say? director of education. Yeah. <laughs> Short memory. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the director of education and community outreach, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I would like to know what that like what music literacy means to you and what and what the nitty-gritty of your job really is. Um, we'll start with the literacy. Uh, music is, uh, the way your brain processes music is very similar to how it processes the written language. So it's essentially like, um, like when we read a book, our brain is taking symbols and like encoding them, processing them, and turning them into meaningful words or sounds. And the same thing happens in music. It's just a different symbol. It would be the same thing if I gave you, like, writing in Chinese. Your brain is translating a different symbol into a different meaning. Um, And so a lot of the issues that pop up in uh, learning to read uh, also pop up in music. And a lot of times I'll encounter, um, like, really low-level like processing issues and stuff in, in music lessons. Um, because like in kindergarten and stuff, you don't always notice that a kid might be struggling and, th- and eventually they figure it out and they read fine. And then they get to music and you're like, Oh, you like the, the music moves when you play. And it's like, Oh, we're like losing focus. And like, we're, you know, um, flipping notes around stuff like that. Um, or it's taking too long for us to process off the page into our instrument. Um, and a lot of the, uh, things that happen in reading you can work on in music and you actually improve those skills because you're you're doing the exact same skill but with new material so it can actually help your reading um and help your uh reading get better and um I focus a lot with my private students on literacy that's a big thing for me um not specific literacy but fluency so to be a good musician you need to be able to instantly read what's on the page and translate it so think about like when you read a book you don't have to sound out the words 
you know, if you are fluent in that language um, and that's you can get to that place in music where I can look at a piece of music and in my head I know what that music sounds like mm -hmm. because I can read it. And so I work a lot on um, I call it like the four aspects of fluency. So um, reading, writing, hearing, speaking. And so we do activities where like I have them read the music, not on their instrument, like out loud. They might count and clap rhythms or they'll read their music and say the note names like a book. So we're testing the processing part and the seeing and speaking part. Um, and then I might uh, do the opposite where I'll clap or play a rhythm and they have to write it down. Okay. So like um, practicing the listening, writing aspect of it. And if a student can be good at all four of those, then they will most likely be a very talented musician because they won't struggle with any of the literacy aspect of music. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I always, reading music for me was very difficult. Mm -hmm. I could hear things pretty well, mm -hmm. but yeah, I never focused on the actual yeah. Notes that well, well, you are you know? probably vocalist, yeah? yeah. And that happens a lot because you, you spend a lot of time working on the, the speaking hearing part. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, um, like let's take Chinese because it's a good example. If you grow up in a family speaking Chinese mm -hmm. and you speak Chinese, like you become fluent in hearing and speaking Chinese. But if you've never like encountered the written like you know Chinese yeah. word and someone gives you a book in Chinese it doesn't matter that you're fluent because you can't read it or write it so you're missing like the other two aspects yeah. of that and so you end up like partially fluent where you're like I told I know what's going on but like you have that little hurdle and that's where most most kids end up somewhere like in that little hurdle yeah where they need to work on this skill in order to get over it when did you personally start realizing that those skills were so um, importance like when you were younger like when did that really click for you I don't know if I personally like in my playing journey ever had that uh, realization mm -hmm. I think I just was like fortunate enough to have um teachers that incorporated all those things like I remember in high school our, um, my band director would do rhythmic dictation like he would do rhythms on the board at the beginning of every class mm -hmm. and then we had to write the rhythms yeah. so I had some of that already incorporated into my music education um, and I think it, it helped that I grew up in a musical family so the I was speaking the language of music as a child the hearing speaking part was already there yeah and um so and I started reading music at an early age, like in third or fourth grade. And so some of it was already in progress. Um, I don't think I really realized the fluency, the, the fluency aspect and how important it was to being a good musician until I started teaching, encountering kids and being like, what's wrong? Why can't you play? And like the more I developed as a teacher and the more I learned, the more I realized like, oh, it's this reading issue. Mm -hmm. So by this point, I've gotten to the point where like I can like watch a kid play for two or three minutes and be like, oh, like I can see, like I can tell you what their reading scores are in class. <laughs> like, OK, you have this problem. Like I can ask you a few questions and I know exactly what we're going to struggle with and exactly what exercises I need to put you on. Yeah. Have, have you ever had anybody come back and say, hey, my readings also improved since yes. I started? Yeah. Um, uh, so not just reading, but um, things like just like e even processing, like like getting better at spelling or like articulating, like making yeah. a thought in your head and spitting it out your mouth. Yes. <laughs> um, or e stuff like that. even math, maybe. Yeah, math a little bit, because um, it's very, uh, uh, especially music is very mathematical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but there's probably why I never got to good at reading it. <laughs> there's so many other aspects to, um, uh, that we don't think about, like fine and gross motor skills, concentration, problem solving, goal setting, yeah. all of those things. So with my younger students, we do a lot of that. And like I explained to them, like, this is 
like we're doing this for music, but this is a life skill, mm-hmm. right? Like learning how to like, we have to learn this piece of music by this date. Like here's how we break it up into achievable chunks. If you practice these measures and then these measures, then we'll have the piece done by this day. Yeah. <laughs> and like, this is how you break it down and this is how you assess it. Um, so that problem solving stuff is really in- integral to um, music and music education. Yeah. So what exactly do you do at the Riley then? Cause I know they're building up their education department yes. as well. So you, you're kind of at the spearhead of, all of yeah. that so yeah so what exactly are you doing there? i do everything <laughs> sometimes it feels like i do so much um so i i've had a vision of having my own music school for a long time it's been like a personal vision of mine um so when they asked me to come spearhead their music school i was like yes 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 yes, yes, yes please so a lot of it was already um I, I'm like a, I love to like plan and vision cast. So I have these, um, those giant post-it notes. Uh, I had them up on my wall for like a, four or five years with like the plans. Like these are the classes I'm going to teach. And like, this is what's going to happen. So like the school's already planned. <laughs> so I came and I was like, this is what we're going to do. Um, so I, I am tasked with um, organizing the school of uh, the community music conservatory. And um, I hire the teachers. I, um, uh, goal set for how we're going to grow and I organize the schedule. Um, I've done stuff with software, finding the right software for our program um, and a lot of like outreach stuff, like getting the word out into the community um, because kids are uh, the demographic we're reaching now is when we are not super plugged into because like mm-hmm. kids don't come to like the ACDC concert. Right. Right. <laughs> and so like we're, we are interacting and engaging with a, a whole new group of people, which is really exciting. Is so i um, doing more work with schools and homeschools, uh, private schools, um, children's events, stuff like that. Um, I go out and sit at booths, um, hand out business cards and flyers, um, kind of brainstorm and design new programs uh, based on like, I have a lot of conversations with parents and like, you know, I want to know like, what is it that you want for your kid? Like, are we offering you something that adds value to your child and you know, something that they want to do? So things like the bucket drumming, which like everybody loves bucket drumming. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, don't you guys do that? Yeah, we do. We have a kid, uh, a bucket drumming class called buckets and boomwhackers for younger kids, which is like the perfect, like what we're talking about. It's the perfect onboarding uh, for young musicians because it teaches you your basic fundamentals, your listening skills, uh, gross motor tactile skills, um, basic music reading. So no matter what instrument your kid decides to play, they've learned all the basics in, yeah. in bucket drumming. Uh, we also have an adult one <laughs> called Buckets and Beer. I think I need to go to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we had one in, uh, was it the spring or the summer? We had one a, a little while ago that was, it was really, really fun. Yeah. So it's um, kind of like, you know, like you go painting with a twist and everyone paints mm-hmm. and someone teaches you how to paint and it's yeah. like, oh, your painting's going to, oh, but it's fun. It's fun. And yeah. that's what it was. We have a, okay. a, our percussion instructor comes out and he turns on like, he had a bunch of different tunes, different genres, different uh, music. And then like he teaches you a little rhythm and then you turn on the music and you like rock out to, you know, your favorite song. <laughs> and suddenly you're a great yeah. drummer. And it's a, lot, it's a lot of fun. A whole lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, that so. does sound like a lot of fun. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, are there any programs that you have seen a lot of success so far and just in the short time that you've been there? Is there one that's in particular that's been growing really well? Um, actually, our private lessons are doing really, really well. We've got um, two really great string teachers on uh, and some really great 
uh, orchestral musicians coming in. Like we got a really great percussion instructor. Um, we just brought on a really talented guitar instructor, tons of experience, a studio musician. Um, we have um, actually a performer and local band director teaching our woodwinds. Um, so we have some really knowledgeable, talented staff. And we've had a lot of growth in private lessons, a lot of people signing up. And I think it's it, it's something that's definitely been needed in this community, um, especially coming from Gainesville. Yeah. Like at, almost all the kids that I work with are in Gainesville. So I have a couple okay. Ocala students, but uh, Gainesville seems to be more band is a bigger deal there. And so yeah. like more of the kids take lessons, more of the kids um, participate in extracurricular stuff. And I think Ocala, they have such a big group of people that would benefit from that, but haven't really had the place to do so. And mm -hmm. I think that the community music conservatory now offers that like you can take lessons from a knowledgeable like professional person not a person who like happened to play in middle school or like who plays as a hobby but a person who has like a degree or a wealth of playing experience and like um all of our teachers have teaching experience so it's not their first time working with students yeah so you know that you're getting beneficial and helpful in information to help you be a better musician yeah absolutely well perfect well we're just about to wrap up and i always ask everybody the same question and it kind of makes you feel like you're on the spot but yeah. if you don't have an answer <laughs> that's okay <laughs> but is there anything that you would like to address that I have not asked you oh that is a hard question <laughs> <laughs> and it could be anything from your life to work um I feel like we talked about so much in my life um oh maybe just like the arts in general yeah so like since moving to Ocala we have such a you know, I've, I've done a lot of work here over the years, but like actually living here, I've been able to see so much more of what's going on. Like we have so much like awesome stuff happening. And I feel like um, I see a lot of the same people at a lot of the same events. And yeah. then I encounter like when I'm out just talking to people, so many people don't know, you know, that it's out there. Yes. So like I just encourage everyone who's listening, um, like <laughs> check out the local art scene, check out the art galleries we have that are awesome. Check out um, open mic nights that we have and art walks and the Appleton and the, the symphony and, you know, all these little things. Um, and all of them are very affordable. Like yeah. if you go to places like Orlando, Miami, or Atlanta, and you know, you want to go see an orchestra concert, you're going to pay so much more than you would to come see the symphony. Um, and you know, everything here is like so accessible. Yeah. And so like, take advantage of it. Cause if you move somewhere else, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might not be, you know, as accessible. Well, and one of the things that you said too, about the art galleries is, you know, I think people know about Noma, Noma uh -huh. now. I think they know, of course the Appleton, mm -hmm. but they might not realize that we've had a lot of smaller pop-up yeah. individual artist mm -hmm. galleries yeah. come up around too. And it's not just at the Mac. I mean, there's several different ones yeah. around the area. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. Not a lot of people really realize that yeah. there's all this art and opportunity that's really popped up mm -hmm. over the last year. Yeah, but, um, well, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. And thank you so much for well, being thank here. You for having me. This is fun. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been just as delightful as I thought it would be. When <laughs> <laughs> your smile and your laugh are very infectious. Yeah. And it was great meeting you. And it was great getting to know you a little yeah, bit more today. Too. So perfect. Well, thank you, everybody. Once again, I am your host, Lisa Anderson. And I would like to thank our sponsor one last time, Your Place Insurance, Mortgage, and Title. You can visit them at www.yourplaceocala.com. We'll have a link in the description. We'll also go ahead and link to the Riley Arts Center so that you can take a look at their educational program. 
And if you would like to see the rest of Margaret's story in print, you can visit us at www.localamag.com. And thank you once again for joining us here at Locala, where we focus on connections through stories. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.